She's passionate about the truth of God's Word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is a best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 16 years, mom to four children, not to mention everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles, coming back at you for another totally refreshed, totally refurbished podcast. I've got some opening thoughts for you today, and I'm kind of obsessed with them if I do say so myself. How do you remain friends with somebody that you disagree with things on? I think we're in a culture right now that we... (laughs) We're unfriending people, we're blocking people, we're unfollowing people, we're not texting back, we're ghosting people, simply because we don't agree with maybe even a minor thing that they stand for. And I want to talk to you just from my own personal life today. This has been so heavy on my heart in the last few days because that shouldn't be the way a believer responds, y'all. Come on. We need to grow up a little bit. I love you. I'm going to talk to you like a mama just for a second. As a lot of you guys know, I just turned 40 and I'm feeling good. My husband and I went on a friend trip with very, very good friends of ours to celebrate my 40th birthday. And we kind of do this. We'll go together. One time we went on a carnival cruise. Like this is years and years ago. It was awesome. They have a serenity deck that we laid on like for seven hours at a time. And three of us liked it. And my friend Lisa's husband absolutely hated it. And he wanted to leave, but we loved it. So, you know, majority rules. But we have gone on trips like a carnival cruise. We've gone Um, all sorts of places. We're constantly getting on a plane because they live in Phoenix to travel to one another's houses. We know each other very well. We've been friends with them for 13 years. Now, let me tell you this. In 13 years, you are going to disagree with someone in a relationship that long. And that's been true in our relationship. We do not see eye to eye on everything. Now, we are believers and we agree on a lot, but we don't see eye to eye on everything. And in a relationship of longevity, you are going to disagree with people politically, you know, how to raise your kids, what church to go to, what style you, you're just going to disagree. It's called a healthy relationship people. But we went on this trip and we were with them for four days and it was so refreshing. But I would also say we had some conversations about things we disagree with. Politics would be one where we were in one specific place and we brought up a subject that we fundamentally disagreed with them on. And immediately I caught the conversation and said, you know what? We're probably not going to agree here. So let's talk about something else. Let's move on. Did we in that moment end our relationship, block each other on social media, ghost them? Um, uh, No, we didn't. We're adults. We said, you know what? This in the long run is not going to matter. 
And I am 100% not going to even hurt our relationship because we just happen to disagree on this area. So let's move on. And let me tell you, people are losing friendships and they're shutting off friendships, which if they just would pivot to something different. Let's talk about something else. In the long run, this is not going to matter. In the long run, I care more about my relationship with you than how you think in this particular realm of politics. Let's move on. I love you more than this idea. We need to get back to a place where we can disagree and still remain Friends. Now, let me also add this in. There are some things that just as a believer, you need to stand for. And there's some things that are worth fighting for. And there are some things that are worth confronting. I'm not talking about those major, major things. Okay. I'm not talking about heresy. I'm not talking about anything like that. But I find right now we are unfriending, blocking, whatever people that actually could be the iron that's sharpening us in our lives if we just, for heaven's sake, would grow up, pretend that we have some bit of a fruit of the spirit, like self-control, and we would pivot away from some of these topics and care more about the person than the idea. This is tearing not just America apart. This is tearing our relationships of longevity apart. So I'm asking you as a believer, before you choose to lean in and to fight and to ruin a relationship, you need to ask yourself, is this topic worth ruining this relationship over? And if we would just step back from the emotion a little bit, I think that we might find that 70 to 90% of topics aren't worth it. People come up with their perspectives based on their backgrounds, based on how they were treated, based on where they live, based on where they come from, based on what they ate for breakfast. And it's just most of the time, not worth ruining relationships. We have been friends with Chad and Lisa. And let me tell you, they are our best buddies. I mean, I have never laughed so much in my life than when I'm with them. They're incredible. They have seen us through highs. They have seen us through lows. And we have done the same for them. But we also respect and love each other enough to know when to pivot because we love each other more than our ideas. You can do it. You guys can do it out there. I am challenging you guys today. Let's build build some bridges rather than burn them because, man, we're throwing away relationships that actually could sharpen us. Iron sharpens. Iron is what the word of God says. And maybe their idea is exactly what you need to challenge you to grow in your relationship with Christ. That is my opening thoughts for today, you guys. I'm going to be back after the break, and I am obsessed with this word from Joel. It's going to be so filled with hope. Do not go anywhere. I'll see you in a sec. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? 
Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministries, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, guys. Welcome back. So I want to ask you, have you lost hope this year? Have you lost just belief that God is a God of restoration? I want to ask you that, and I want you to answer it honestly. Have you lost a piece of your faith? Have you lost a piece of your belief in the power of God's goodness and the power of God's grace and the power of his resurrection, his restoration. I want you to be honest with yourself. For the next few minutes, I want to fill you with hope based on an ancient scripture that was written hundreds of years ago that really just blew my mind in the last couple of months. You know, my husband and I, my family, we went to San Antonio for spring break and we had a great time. It was so fun. We did the the shopping and the Alamo and all those things that you do. We even did a carrot drive. That was really fun. I think we were gone an entire week. And we come home, and I think it was the Friday of their spring break, we get this notification from school that says, we are extending spring break another week due to the coronavirus. And initially, we were excited because I'm thinking, okay, great. I have traveled so much. I have done so much work. I get to spend more time with my kids. So I was excited. I'm like, where else can we go? Should we go see Grandma and Papa? Like, what should we do? They live in Indiana. So we're excited. And then at the end of that, we get a message saying we are going to delay even further. And that's when things got a little less exciting because we have four children. And of course, we all know what happened in March and April. All hell broke loose. Everything sort of completely exploded in all of our worlds, not just mine. You know, I had an entire year planned of conferences I would speak at, churches I would get to minister to, and within like two days, all had canceled or postponed. And eventually all ended up canceling. So all this work that I had done for 10 years to build just the ministry that I felt like God wanted me to build seemed as if it went up in smoke. And I know that's what happened to you guys as well. There's been so much uncertainty. 
You can't talk to anyone in this world that hasn't had their life changed in one way or another from the virus. And a lot of us are still trying to get back to a sense of normalcy in our lives. And here we have fear that has taken over, depression has taken over, anxiety has taken over, the worry about the future has taken over. It has replaced hope in the power of God, hope in our future. He gives us a future and a hope, which is what uh, Jeremiah 29 tells us. We have replaced those feelings of trust in the Lord, and we have allowed these other emotions and feelings to come in. And I'm asking asking you, have you lost your hope? Because I'm going to be honest, for a second, I did too. For a second, I started to feel, am I going to recover from this? God, are you actually going to restore what seems to be completely hopeless at this point? And then the Lord reminded me of this passage of scripture And I want to read it to you today because it's from Joel. Now, listen here. We don't know a lot about Joel. He's one of the minor prophets. But one thing we do know about Joel is God used him to correct and to encourage the Israelites. And I want to read this passage that the Lord just seemed to speak over me when I was having one of those moments, because you guys know that I am a straight talker when it comes to the Lord. I don't have time to fluff up my vocabulary with the Lord. He knows how I'm feeling. So I lay it all before him. I tell him I'm angry. I tell him I'm frustrated. I tell him I feel betrayed. I tell him, I tell him, and you should too. And this is a perfect little time for a mini commercial for my book, gangster prayer. Go get it. It'll tell you how I feel like God has given us the freedom to communicate with him. But in this sort of conversation that I had with the Lord a few months ago, God reminded me of this passage of scripture. And it's in Joel, Joel 2, 25. And it says this, then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the nine locust, a great army which I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. Thus, you will know that I am in the midst of Israel. So here I am having this like hardcore convo with the Lord, telling him, what in the world have you done? What have you allowed? What have you allowed in my life specifically? I've worked so long for where I am. I I was looking forward to another year that I could build on top of the foundation that we've already laid. Here I am, Lord, working my heart out for you. And it was in that moment of complete transparency before the Lord that he brought this passage to you. I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locust. And you will praise the name of the Lord 
who has dealt wondrously with you, then my people will never be put to shame. Thus you will know that I am in your midst. You guys, as soon as the Lord spoke that over me, it reminded me exactly of where I was. I was beginning to lose hope, was beginning to lose confidence, and the Lord stopped me. And sometimes God needs to stop us in our thinking and remind us of the truth of his word. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm going to restore. I'm going to restore what seems to have been stripped away. I'm going to restore and I'm going to do it in my way. And it's going to be powerful. Yes, right now you are encountering some crazy times, but I am going to restore. And God began to remind me of when he restored the life to Lazarus, when he restored the life to his son, Jesus. He began to remind me of the miracles of restoration in the Bible. He began to remind me that he doesn't leave us in a place of hopelessness because he is hope. Through this passage of scripture, I was challenged, corrected, and reminded that where I was was not the end. Where I was, I was in process of a place where maybe I needed things stripped back. Maybe I needed things gnawed back in my own life. And I was in a place where God was going to restore those things to me powerfully. And I'm still believing for that. But as God gave me this passage of scripture, I did a little research. And I was like, why in the world would Israel need to be reminded of God's restoration power? his resurrection power. Why would Israel need to be reminded of that? And I go to Joel 1, and I want to read this to you because it is very crazy what it says. Joel 1 says this, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel, hear this, O elders, and listen, all inhabitants of the land, listen to this verse. It blew my mind. Has anything like this happened in your days or in your father's days? Tell your sons about it and let your sons tell their sons and their sons the next generation. Verse 4, Joel 1, 4. What the gnawing locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust has left, the creeping locust has eaten. And what the creeping locust has left, the stripping locust has eaten. Awake. Awake. Such a good word. God is waking us up. Awake, Joel says, drunkards, and weep, and wail. All you wine drinkers on account of the sweet wine that is cut from your mouth. Listen to me. When I saw and did some research on this, Israel had been devastated. Now, a lot of theologians think a lot of different things, so I'm just going to tell you what I found. I found that these locusts that Joel is referring to could actually be locusts. 
It could actually be a plague that God allowed to come through the nation of Israel. A lot of people think it was actual locusts, okay? And there were locusts in Joel 1 that came through. They left a little bit, the gnawing locusts left a little bit of food, and then the swarming locusts came in and ate it, and then they left a little bit of food, and then the gnawing locusts came in, and then so on and so forth. So it could actually mean a plague of locusts. I don't know how many times people have called Corona the plague. And it seems like Corona has come in and devastated all different parts of our world. Now, to be fair to the other theologians out there that are incredibly smart, there are also people that think that this was groups of invaders into the nation of Israel. So the locusts could also represent groups of invaders that came in to tear apart the nation of Israel. And what the gnawing locust or invader left, the swarming locust, locust came in and took. And what the swarming locust left and so on and so forth. So we could actually be either talking about actual locusts or swarms of people that were invading the nation of Israel. It doesn't really matter what we're talking about. The principle is the same. These locusts devastated the nation. It devastated it so much that the Israelites were wondering, is God good? Is he going to restore? What has he allowed in? You know, we look at our school system. We look at our economy. We look at just our natural way of life. We look at our churches. We look at all of these small businesses. We look at all of even. We can't even hardly now. Now in Texas, we can definitely go out to eat, and I know a lot of places are opening up. And you know, I'm I'm talking about this in October, but it has literally taken our way of life and devastated it. And you may be wondering today, I've lost my job. Is God going to restore? I've lost my, this relationship. Is God going to restore? I can't go to church. Is God going to restore that? I am telling you that just like Joel looked at the nation of Israel and he said this in verse two, hear this, O elders, and listen, all inhabitants of the land has anything like this happened in your days or in your father's days. Tell your sons about it. Let your sons tell their sons. Let their sons the next generation. He's saying, has anything like this happened? Have you seen anything like this in your days? And I'm going to tell you, being 40 years old, now I, I feel like I'm a spring chicken. I haven't. I've never been in a time where it seems like there has been almost a war against every single different way or thing in my life. But God didn't leave the nation of Israel devastated. That wasn't the end for them. And it's not the end for us. We may think, and we may be void of hope. We may be wanting to go back to normal and not seeing a path there. I'm telling you, just like God didn't leave the nation of Israel devastated with all these locusts that came in, he's not going to leave you or us either. I love that Joel picks it up in Joel 2 after he says, this is what's happened. Yes, the locusts have come in. They've eaten everything. There's nothing left. We're devastated. This is what happened in Joel 1, but this is what my God is going to do in Joel 
to. I will make up to you. The years, the swarming locust, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, the gnawing locust has taken. And you will have plenty to eat and be satisfied. And, and you're also going to praise the name of the Lord who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. Thus, you will know that I am in the midst of Israel. Just like God didn't leave them there, he's not going to leave us here either. He is working. He is the God of restoration. And I'm going to be totally transparent and honest with you. I needed some things stripped away from me. I needed to wake up like Joel challenged the nation of Israel. I needed to wake up to some areas that I needed to heal from, fix, work on. And this season of, of Corona, it's been terrible and it's been incredibly hard, but it's also been one of those seasons of self-reflection for me that I see how God revealed things in my life that I needed to work on and he's restored them and even restored them to a greater place of health. Whatever you're dealing with today, if you're void of hope, so was the nation of Israel in this passage. They were devastated. But just because they felt devastated did not mean that they actually were devastated because God was working a plan to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And I believe he is working a plan now to restore 2020 I honestly feel this, but I think that 2020 may be one of the best things that ever happened to the church, that ever happened to believers, because I think God has pruned the church back in such a way. He's revealed a lot of things that needed to be lost. We need to get rid of some of this production stuff and some of the celebrity stuff and just some of the stuff. That's not in the scripture. He needed to get rid of some stuff and reveal some stuff in Christians' lives. Where's your focus? Is it on the gospel or is it on how many followers you have? He needed to reveal some stuff. And I believe we're going to look back on 2020. And I think the lessons that we've learned during this year might potentially usher in one of the greatest revivals we've ever seen. And I'm believing and I'm standing on that. So for those out there that you've lost hope, lost faith, lost whatever it is, I'm here to tell you that just like God gave the Israelites in us, Jesus, he has a plan to fully restore what the locusts have eaten in our lives this year. I believe it. I'm standing on it because I believe his word is true. Ah, I hope this encouraged you guys today. I will be back with a question from one of you right after this break. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve rather than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, 
Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of His reach to use and redeem all things for His purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the biblical harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the Books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey guys, I'm back. As a reminder, if you want to hang out with me on social, go to my pages, Autumn Miles on Instagram, Autumn Miles on Facebook, and Twitter, I don't do. I'm praying for Twitter. They need Jesus over there. I do have an account, but I don't ever do anything with it. Or you can email us at hello at autumnmiles.com. We would love, love, capital L-O-V-E to hear from you. I've got a question today from a follower. It's an incredible question, and I'm obsessed with it. Her name is Sarah E. So Sarah E, thank you for your question. I love you so much. This is her question. What would you say is the best way to recognize an attack from the enemy? (laughs) This is a really good question, okay? What is the best way to recognize an attack from the enemy? Now, Sarah, Thank you for your question. God bless you, my friend. I'm going to do my best to put this in layman's terms. We know that Satan attacks us 100%, okay? He comes at us. He shoots his arrows at us. He's got his weapons that are formed against us, which God tells us in Isaiah will not prosper. And sometimes it can feel a lot like the pruning of the Lord that Jesus talks about in John 15. This is a biblical principle. Pruning is a biblical principle. God prunes things back in our lives that will not bear more fruit. God chooses what's fruitful and what isn't. And sometimes an attack from the enemy can feel a lot like the pruning of God. Sarah, this is what I do. Sometimes you're confused and you you blame anything and everything on the enemy. The enemy is out to get me. The enemy this, the enemy that. But sometimes it's God that is simply pruning you. The characteristics of a satanic attack are steal, kill, and destroy. That is straight out of John and the word of God. The enemy comes to steal kill, and destroy. If you are getting attacked by the enemy and there is something being stolen, killed in you, or a dream, or a relationship, or whatever, and destroy, those are characteristics of a satanic attack. When God prunes us in John 15, you can read this for yourself. It is not to kill the branch. It is so that the branch will produce more fruit. Like I said, they mirror in the beginning sometimes. And you have to use your discernment from the spirit of God to figure out, am I getting attacked or am I getting pruned? But a satanic attack is going to feel like steal, 
kill, destroy. Those are the characteristics of the enemy. Pruning is going to feel like, yes, I'm pruning way back. This feels really hard. This is really rough, but you will find, especially with time, that it produces more fruit in you. Look for those characteristics. The pruning will bring life. The attack will bring death. Okay? I hope that helps you. You can send all of your questions. You can direct message me on social or once again, send us an email. Hello at autumnmiles.com. Thank you so much for listening. You guys need to catch me back here next week on the Autumn Miles Show. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show.